Hello and welcome everyone to episode 39 of One Piece at a Time, the One Piece read-through podcast where we read and discuss five chapters of the One Piece manga each and every week. I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host and freelance letterer at Shonen Jump, Brandon Bovia. How you doing, Brandon? How's it going, everybody? I am, uh, of course, the Brandon Bovia, the English letterer of manga, like Dragon Ball Super, Kaiju number 8. I'm sitting here, like, man, we're on episode 39, and... Next week, we're going to hit chapter 200 and episode 40 of this podcast. And that is just like two really rad milestones wrapped up into one. Yeah, the big two zero zero. And I mean, I'm, I'm curious how Oda celebrates that, if if at all. Like, like I don't know if he plans big things for those hundreds because, you know, we got the big leaving the East Blue head towards the uh, Grand Line at 100. And with us yeah, in the middle true. of Alabasta, what can he really do to make 200 seem like a big momentous occasion and i I actually (laughs) don't know other like obviously because it just happened chapter 1000 was really really great uh, even though if it was not not like anything plot significant you know it's just one of those kind of like yeah we're we're here you know it was one of one (laughs) Uh of those chapters that felt appropriate for that number yeah (laughs) like yeah all right it's happening Awesome. Uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens the only one i can think of off the top of my head (laughs) yeah i mean i haven't really this is, again, this is my first time reading the entire way through the manga, and I can't remember the numbers, the chapter numbers of the ones I've read when I caught uh, was catching up and like stopped with the anime, uh, continued with the manga, and just went from there. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. Out. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, we have an interesting batch, batch of chapters here, I'd say, is the best way to put that, because I'll be honest, and maybe I'll, my mind will change as we talk about it, but... I wasn't fully impressed with at least some of the chapters in this set. Yeah. So hmm. like, I'm kind of neutral, um, mm-hmm. but I think coming off of it, I like, as, as we'll get into here, the sort of like Nami versus Miss Doublefinger fight. Mm-hmm. I like it more in concept than in execution, I think. And so there's uh, there, there's a couple little nuggets here and there that I, I can latch on to, but on, on the whole, I'm kind of with you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get into that with uh, chapter 191, She Who Controls the Weather. And first up, we've got more of Hachi's adventures where now he has his trident from the Goldfish Kingdom. And he runs across a sea boar being hunted by a sea monster. And maybe his... uh, that sea boar is reminding him of his old pal... uh, What is it? Momu? Momu, that's it. Momu. Yeah. I really enjoy the just the scale of of this cover of this cover page because mm-hmm. it is just like the the sea boar on its own compared to Hashi is like huge, and then you have the sea monster taking up the entire background. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's a that's a huge one. I, I don't know if we're gonna be trading anything here, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but uh, you know, last time we ended off with double fing- finger feeling a little bit of pity for Nami that seems to be gone because she immediately goes into a double stinger and just punctures the hell out of that wall it, and... it feels like one of those like Jojo order auras but just like just incredibly precise yes that's <laughs> a very good way to put it you could almost I know we're getting a chalk here but you could just see the aura aura <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Nami's cloak gets ripped a little bit but hey she's she's pretty good at dodging she gets out of the way she knows how to dodge roll yeah so we're basically back to taunting like you can't get away and then he's like the, you know i still have tricks up my sleeves one of these has to work so forecast is thunder so here's thunder tempo and it's a little boxing glove on the end <laughs> and it and it, it it is funny but like I, I think it is around this point in the fight where I realize like there, there, there's just going to be no tension here, is there? <laughs> no, no, there really isn't. Like there's a rule, you know. You often hear about the rule of threes with comedy, mm. like make the same joke how many times, and this is our third. And unfortunately, I don't. It's it's not really our last. Yeah, I think I would have been okay with it if it were, if if it were the rule of threes and it was that, but like. I think because, uh, you know, she got it. Nami gets kind of like grazed on the cheek and it, like like kind of jumping from that to her kind of going back to reading the instruction manual is, is a little bit weird to me because it is like this is a very tense situation. And she, you know, she just got injured, but we're sort of back. <laughs> it, it feels like like a like a turn based battle or battle or something like that. Like uh, Miss Doublefinger is sort of here just waiting for a turn while, while Nami is like trying to figure out the joke. Yeah, she's just constantly trying to get away to read more of the manual to 
actually be able to fight. And I don't know. It makes you start like questioning things like, how did Nami not have time to read this? Because I know she asked Usopp about that weapon a while ago. She had time to read yeah. the instruction book and maybe practice. But again, it would take away from a bit the comedy aspect of this because you get that fun. You do get those fun bits of comedy and double finger is ridiculous how she I, yeah i really love like like her power set might be the funniest part about this whole thing yeah just i love how oda just constantly finds way to just escalate her powers because yeah. it goes like just simple stab moves until her into her going to the hedgehog stinger she starts worrying so she's like on the ground which makes me think of kirby and his his power <laughs> i really like um, before she uses the hedgehog stinger like that that reveal that like uh, Miss Doublefinger is like hanging upside down on the bridge above Nami, and then and then she like does the hedgehog thing, and it is it's like a dive bomb attack. Yeah, she there there is power there. You see why Doublefinger is so effective, but mm-hmm. you get this cool bit here where Nami's running away, but she finds a window, dashes through the window crashes through it with double finger after her like wrapped up in there and then she uses the cloak to wrap up double finger and get away mm-hmm. it's like that is some, there's, there's some legit cool moments in here then you immediately go back into running away where her, she's trying to read and that's when she <laughs> discovers that oh the combat functions are on the other side i would be okay with it if this was the end of the joke i think this is a great end to like oh okay you know the reveal is that you know she was reading the wrong side yeah. i think that's funny and she has <laughs> a probably the most ridiculous face she's ever had yeah yeah definitely up there <laughs> it's it's not too often you get the pretty one in a manga or anything like that make ridiculous faces like that mm-hmm. um but she's like all right i got these instructions i'm not gonna run or hide anymore i've been a thief for eight years and i've always survived with my own wits so she's you know taking off the cloak taking off the scarf ripping the dress so she can have better movement and now she looks like she's ready to fight which yeah at this point i'm in yeah it's awesome really gets you in for it you start learning more about the climate baton where mm-hmm. shaking or blowing into them will release air bubbles one for heat one for cool one for electricity and they demonstrate this where it's like oh it's a little warm oh it's a nice breeze oh that's a little shock i was like okay it's still not impressive <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the it's just like oh uh, you know reading the note ah well you see at parties <laughs> it's yeah. just like oh, okay Yep, here, we're still doing it. <laughs> yep. It's like the party aspect is still there. And it's like, no, I forgot about that. It's like, even when she gets to the actual stuff, because I was really hopeful. It's like, okay, she's into the actual side of the instructions. Let's do it. Yeah. And then the party aspect from Usopp again is like, that idiot. Like, I know that's supposed to be the feeling, but it just kills the tension here. And I know it's supposed to be ridiculous because we have freaking... Miss Doublefinger's sewing stinger, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I I finally realized I mentioned before uh, a couple episodes ago that it's like like watching her walk like just sort of slowly walk towards you feels like something out of a horror movie. It feels like Slenderman to me. Yeah, <laughs> like just the sort of just kind of just horrifying tall presence. If, if Slenderman had some good hips, that'd be this yeah that'd be exactly. Doublefinger. <laughs> and you do get these moments where it just seems desperate like where she pierces nami's leg that's yeah you know legit tension we get that potential where we get the cyclone tempo where okay we're getting into something something happens because that sent her back yeah and nami's starting to learn more about it it's like oh that's it the the heat ball and the cool ball when they stop spinning the hot and cold air bubbles collide and form a bigger bubble that releases explosive winds and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's like a boomerang. You can be played outside with everyone after the party. And it's like, oh, my God, this idiot doesn't even know how, what kind of weapon he's made. <laughs> I, I do sort of wonder, uh, this sequence had me thinking, like, how, how would Usopp's own fights change with, like, this approach to inventiveness? Because I, I feel like this is even a step beyond, beyond what he was doing against Miss Merry Christmas and Mr. Four. Oh, yeah. Like, like this just feels like pure science. <laughs> like, that he's just invented something gen- like genuinely useful, even if it may be not quite on purpose. Yeah, it's 
kind of odd in that way because it is on its I want to make, I, I don't dislike that aspect no I no just, no, no, I, no I think it's interesting I, I it, it works because even though he did all this stuff to just like as mostly party favors it ties into what Nami's capable of so her being smarter than Usopp kind of carries the theme where Nami is the smartest of the group ah uh, you yeah, know that's true and she's sort of deciphering their idiocy but <laughs> It's frustrating because we get these moments like, okay, she got the thing. She's figured out how that uh, cyclone tempo works. And we find out mm-hmm. that the tornado tempo is a big, big move. And then we get this sort of horrifying moment when we see Nami pierced in the chest, the throat, and the forehead by yep. Double Finger. And it's an afterimage. Well, kind of. She, yeah. she created a uh, light refraction, a mirage. And... We get this decisive moment. It's like, okay, one more chapter of jokes, but she understands the climate baton. We're good to go. I even like, and this is something that I don't really feel like they play into that much, but like the the mirage really builds into like Nami's sort of like the trickster aspect of her character, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of undercover cat thief um, aspects of her character. It, it, like it, looking back, this part feels a little underutilized. Like, like, I mean, it's fine in this moment, but I'm just thinking, like, in, in hindsight, I wish this was a, a, an aspect of her character that, like, her fights emphasized more. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. This chapter on its own is not bad. I, mm-hmm. I should emphasize that. I think it's the frustration to the later chapters, because in reality, this should have been it. This mm. should have been the end of the, the joke aspect. She understands the climate baton. We're good. <laughs> but Yeah, and it, it feels like... We'll get to it when we get to it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I have a take that I'll, I'll save until we get to it. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there is an SBS, really not much to mention other than some weird character's history that I don't even know what he's, who he's talking about. So whatever there. <laughs> and let's go ahead and get to chapter 192, Tornado Warning, where Hachi saves the Seaboard, uses that trident to just goat. stab in that sea monster. And like, I'm dang. surprised it's... It, as effective as it is like for like you think it's like it'd be like getting pinched relative to your size you'd think but, but uh, the sea monster looks like he's in pain like ooh, looks like he got him in the tongue uh, oh actually yeah yeah Ooh, okay that might have done yeah it. yeah okay i didn't i didn't read that as the tongue initially it's uh, a little hard to see you're right yeah because because there's sort of like there's like a little like kind of blood scratch with the hatching behind him i'm not really I'm yeah not... it seemed like it was his cheek at first but now it's like the closer i look at that the more yeah, it yeah, seems like I his, could, his tongue i can totally see that yeah either either way you know hachi again proving that he's he's trying <laughs> to do strong. the right thing yeah yeah and trying to save the seaboard he's just he's having a lot of adventures underneath the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm sort of i'm really enjoying how fast-paced this one is yeah, there's always something going on. It's it's rare for the covers to fo- is, uh, stick to any one thing. You're always on to the yeah. next, which is, mm-hmm. uh, again, going back to the gold standard of, you know, kind of like Buggy. There's always something different. Yeah. But into the chapter itself, we're at the Alabarna Southeast Gate, where Sanji has met up with Chopper and Usopp, and Usopp has managed basically to a mummy state <laughs> he just had to tow uh-huh. i i do sort of like uh, this makes me lament that we, we talked about this uh during Logetown, but the like the fact that usopp buying new goggles had to get cut for time mm. and so i i feel like there's there could be sort of like a th- there's a joke there somewhere with with him going out of his way to buy these new goggles and you know he, like he's complaining ah, you broke them <laughs> kind of go a little bit beyond that but yeah it's 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 one of those things and it's a fun little thing yeah it's it's, it's fun and hey eyelashes has shown up because now it's safe and it's like <laughs> all right well we're we've regrouped and our next destination is the palace so let's go there and help out vivi Meanwhile, at the palace, turns out all the guards are like, oh, crap, Crocodile's in there. We need to go rescue her. Get the gates open. And that's when... That face uh, on the bottom left panel. That'd be the right face because it's like all of a sudden all these hands coming out of the, out of the wall. I'd be that, that, that would be really freaky. Horrifying. Jesus Christ. Yes. And yeah, we got the first named attack we get from Missile Sunday. I don't remember. No, I think we had a few during Pell. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. I think we had a few during the Pell fight. But she uses those hands to just toss all those any enemies away, and it's such a goofy visual. Like, like it, it, it's simultaneously horrifying, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just goofy. <laughs> it really, but is. surprisingly effective. Like, there's just a, a whole 
an entire squadron of guards just getting pushed down a bunch of stairs by hands that manifested from the front door. Mm-hmm. So good. It did the trick. But you want to talk yeah. about horrifying poor Coburg getting pinned to the wall by the arms. Yeah. Ooh. Like just above the elbow. It's like, ooh, that's that's pretty devastating right there. Coburg's in a yeah. little the, bit the of The fact that he can still talk. Because he's losing a lot of blood. Yeah, he's he's caught. All of them are there. And Vivi finally asked the question. It's like, all right, where's Luffy? And it's like, no, he's dead. It's like, no way. There's no way you could have defeated him. Well, no way Crocodile could have done that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. never mind him. <laughs> I, I like that Crocodile kind of lays down the law really, really clear here. Where he's just like, I have no intention of spreading you or your father. Like, like the, the kingdom perishes, the royal family goes with it. Like, you know what? I mean, he's kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he's it's cold. He's not wrong, but uh, he's, mm. he's just laying it all out there. It's like, yeah, you guys are going to die, but there's something I need to know before I take your throne. Where is the Pluton? Which gets... Vivi has no idea about. Mm-hmm. As always, all Sunday is just emotionless. <laughs> Chaka seems to be somewhat alert, and Cobra definitely knows about this. Those eyes. Yeah, it's just weird. It, what a, what an, uh, it's our first time hearing about it. It's kind of a... How 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 dare we having to go back to the fight? Just yeah, like, wait, what's he talking about? But but apparently that's what Crocodile was after the whole time. He says, "Yeah, this is is, is this Pluton." We'll hopefully learn a little bit more about that later on. But for now, we are back to the Nami fight, and uh, she is currently pinned to the wall by Double Finger's arms and boobs. I I, I was like, it, it took me a second to realize like what was going on here. I was like, wait, okay, those are her arms, and oh, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just it is like like <laughs> the 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 bottom right panel where it's just like her face transforming into the spike, and then just like like her boobs outstretched off to the side of the page. I'm just like, man, what a <sighs> One Piece is a comic. That is a uh, <laughs> that is a choice. <laughs> oh, oh man! I mean, I guess it gets that out of the way right away. With the people asking, "Can these? Can th- is this affected by the devil?" Fruit? Yes, people well, are like, answering that question right now. It's like yes. <laughs> so if a man had the spike, spike fruit, you know. All yeah, right, yeah, moving yeah. on. <laughs> I think this is, this is whatever your question is. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Nami still able to dodge and get away. She tosses over the one of the climate batons, sends mm-hmm. out a little bit of electricity or whatever, and I guess, oh, I guess Double Finger took it from her. I didn't quite read that quite right. She uses her yeah. used the other two to get it back. She realizes that you know she needs something. She needs some moisture in the air, and there's a rain tempo. Somehow this thing can generate water. But again, like I mentioned in the last episode, like aren't we in a place where? there being no water is kind of the major problem. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things. I feel like Nami's almost yelling at the audience at this point. It's like, I I do have a plan. <laughs> this is all yeah, she's yeah. saying. And I don't know. It's just, I think the major thing here is even because this is just something that calls on is Nami dodging mm-hmm. double finger, trying to hit using her different stingers looking pretty devastating. If Nami wasn't fast, it definitely would be a quicker fight, but thankfully she is fast enough to avoid all this and basically buying time to do her attack. And and it's like, there really isn't that much. Like it is kind of, you you start to feel the pattern. Like we do a gag and then Miss Doublefinger says like, okay, that's enough playing around. Um, And she tries to attack Nami dodges and then there's more playing around. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that is that is that is basically what has been going on this whole time it, it's new attack by double finger dummy running trying to get a spot chance and yeah that's it's just that yeah aspect and there there are fun moments here the 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 sea urchin the fact that she can use her acupuncture to buff up her muscles yeah for <laughs> double finger is like, an interesting look there's some cool ideas here there is yeah but the pacing is just eh? <laughs> no, it's not, yeah, it's it's kind of not not quite there. I think for me is that there there's kind of no ramp up. Yeah, with this fight, like like it really does feel just sort of like kind of not not even really building on the same joke. It's kind of just the same joke, and it just yeah, it, it definitely kind of makes makes the tension fall a little flat, especially with like there's there's this weird dichotomy between. 
Nami, who is very clearly fighting for her life, and Miss Doublefinger, who who could basically like if she took this seriously at all, she could kill Nami. And you know, she's like she's kind of playing with her food a bit, but mm-hmm. I I think I. I get a little underwhelmed when for like the third or fourth time this double finger is like, okay, all right, now like all right, playtime's over for the fourth time. Yeah, <laughs> and watching like, what are you doing with your toy? I'm not it's it's whatever, I'll amuse you at this point. Or yeah. or just like getting this chance is like, Are you ready to die? Well are you? And it's like, okay, that's a cool moment, but it's such a long build up to it mm-hmm. that yeah, it's cool that Nami was able to summon a small cloud to to hit her with a thunderbolt and definitely do some major damage to her finally. But I I, I found myself checking out. <laughs> <laughs> like not even the second mirage does anything. Like I love the confidence that Nami's starting to have here, but every time she gets that confidence, they go back to that jokey attitude. Yeah, I feel like it, it's a weird setup with the back and forth here, and I think. How do I put it? Like, like we talked about this during the Chopper and Usopp fight, where it, it kind of feels like, to me, a fight is more interesting when, like, you have two opposing forces, and they're kind of trading control of the fight, and and sort of like seeing what each one does while they're in control, and you know, like a lot, you know, characters are more interesting when they're on the back foot. You know, it's always more interesting to watch a hero on the back foot try to regain the advantage. But the way it sort of jumps back and forth here is, I don't know, it's not working for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just too, like, you kind of feel the threat for Nami, but because it's going into the joke aspects. And, and, and Oda's balanced jokes before. There have been some yeah, really yeah, yeah. silly moments, and it, it's worked. But for whatever reason, it just feels like it's gone a little too far in the joke direction here. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. And I don't know. I just, I, I was so sad because I'm like, okay, this, this, the manga has improved upon complaints I've had with the anime pretty consistently here. And yeah. it's not doing it. Like it's a better, it's faster, but that's about the only improvement. Yeah. And that is, that is surprising when you, when you put it that way. Cause I feel like that has been sort of like our, whenever we did have something that we complained about with watching the anime, it's sort of like, while we're reading the manga, you're like, okay, this doesn't. Like, like it, it has usually improved significantly with the things that we may, maybe didn't enjoy as much in the moment in the anime. It's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, this is over and done with pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of gets right to the point. I feel like I would remove an entire chapter from this fight. <laughs> it yeah. Would be, it would be improved significantly. Yeah, I'd agree. And it sucks to say that because this is Nami's big first fight. And yeah, I think that's what I mean when I said that I like it conceptually. Mm-hmm. Because I do, I do like watching Nami on her own here, trying to figure out an opponent. And have a weapon but, that takes advantage of her navigator skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it just it just it's just a matter of not not quite coming together. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and move on to chapter 193, Utopia. Man, this is a negative episode. <laughs> ha- Hachi has rescued a seaboard, but seems like something's in the mouth of that seaboard, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not sure what's going on there. Not a whole lot to comment on that one. Yeah, but, uh, pretty much. Just yeah. moving right along. So, uh, yeah, get right back into the fight where we have Usopp reminding Nami through memories that the Tornado Tempo is a last resort. I only have one shot at it. At it. If you miss, it's all over. And Double Finger finally looks like she's done. She's going for the kill, attacking with her sea urchin, especially with Nami's mm-hmm. leg not looking great. And... Yeah. There is a legit good moment here where Nami's just like puts her foot through the stinger. Oh, that this is the one part of the fight I re- remembered very clearly. Yes, this was works. And I, I love the speech that Nami has here where she's mm-hmm. just it doesn't hurt a bit. Do you have any idea the pain that Vivi has suffered compared to that? A foot or two or three is nothing. I, I love it. It's it's great stuff. And seeing Nami kind of step up at pun not intended for Vivi for her friend is just it, it, it's really poignant I think I think that I think that works here yeah and I will say this t- one time with the tornado tempo is I think the one time the joke works yeah this one got me because I was like ah <laughs> you know I, I because I did I didn't remember how this fight ended so like oh okay the birds come out huh. Seriously, one more time. But then, you know, it it gets you. Yeah, they so start that, wrapping that's around. That's a twist on the joke, which is what I wanted. Yes, we finally got a variation to it. And it was well-paced. It wasn't just her dancing around for a page or anything <laughs> like that. It's like, 
bam no it didn't work it's another joke all of a sudden starts twisting oh and then finally like even like nami being completely thrown off twisting around and sending her flying through a wall and (laughs) actually knocking her out yeah wow it's and i love it looks is it it look kind of looks like she yeah because she gets sent through uh multiple walls oh yeah Uh, i love the detail here because the silhouette that you know like like the the silhouette that she made in the wall when she got knocked through it it's like kind of um like miss Doublefinger is like it's like her head is off to the side uh-huh. but then when she comes out on the other wall that like her head is on the bottom so it's like she's got spun through the wall and i think that is actually a really clever way to convey that yeah i, I thought i thought it was an art mistake at first and i was like oh wait a minute no yeah she just spun the entire way through and that, that that's a good yeah. detail that's awesome. <laughs> uh, helps show the impact and, uh, you know, it can make sense, especially with her guard being down the entire time, not knowing what's going on and then getting knocked yeah. out like this. Like, this is just a case of double finger really underestimating what Nami was capable of. Yeah, she, she didn't take it seriously and nope. paid the price. Well, and I, I, th- I think it is maybe a little frustrating here, reflecting on that fight going like, man, yeah, if, if she took it like, even close to seriously, you know, Nami wouldn't have stood a chance. So it. I wonder if Oda kind of struggled here with, excuse me for saying a bad word here, but the power scaling of this fight, just because like the the gap is so wide between, you know, Nami having her first solo fight and the, you know, having to take on an experienced assassin. Yeah. And not only that, the partner of the most powerful member of Baroque Works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it, it feels like the, how Oda wanted to convey the fight was sort of, it was stuck between two halves. If, if she was able to use a little more of her trickery, because again, she has eight years of experience thieving, learning how to yeah. trick people. If it played a bit more into that, I think it could have worked. Yeah. And I will, I will say, I, I, I don't remember having this complaint with other kind of uh, Nami fights in the future. And I, I feel like she does, you know, now that she's figured out how to use the, the climb attack, it's like, I don't think this is really a gag at any other point. Uh, in any of her other fights. Um, yeah, just, I, I do think this is a one and done. I'm not even against the gag itself. I just think it, it got repetitive. Yeah, because <laughs> we can compare this to Usopp. Usopp has the same sort of issue where he's not strong at all. Yeah. And he has to use his ingenuity to win those fights. But the way he's done it, the use, like the fact that he's put oil on that fish man and then set him on fire and then whacked him over the head enough times, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Again, he's just using that running ability that makes it a bit more believable. And even mm-hmm. here, like Usopp wouldn't have won this fight against Merry Christmas and Mr. Four if it wasn't for Chopper. Yeah. He played a key role, but he wouldn't have won on his own. I will say I do appreciate the fact that she's like Nami's completely caught off guard. Like what what just happened? She looks up, sees the hole, looks around, looks at her b- baton, and just raises her fist up and goes, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." I, I love that little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, is cute. You know what? I'm proud of you, Nami. I am. I'm, yeah, I'm glad am. she got that fight. As mu- as much as we've been complaining about it, it's a build up to the future. Yeah. So again, conceptually, I'm all for it. <laughs> Agreed. But let's return to Crocodile, who's finally explaining a bit more about Pluton, where one shot of it can vaporize an entire island. And uh, uh, well, Before we get too far into this, I just want to say one thing. I will try to only acknowledge this this one time. If you're caught up, this entire conversation is hilarious. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it is, it is extremely funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, it was apparently named after the god of death, most terrible weapon, and it's sleeping here in Alabasta. So his goal is to create the most powerful military nation in the region and recruit pirates to uh, serve under him and increase his political power until he can surpass that of the world government and make him just basically rule the world. I, I gotta say, Smoker called it back uh, back in Rain Dinners, where he was like, ah, the, the, this might, the, like, the fate of the world. I'm like, whoa, buddy, that's... <laughs> yeah. You're, you're talking big, but no, that's Crocodile's plan, is that he wants a... A super weapon. Uh, he and, is and to nothing use it. without ambition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I feel like this is far above anything we've ever seen in the story up to this point. Like, like it is. It is some straight up like take over the world kind of stuff. Yeah. And this feels. This feels like the the perfect place and the perfect build up for it. 
Mm-hmm. Just to sort of set these seeds and like, all right, this we're on, you're on the grand line. Here's the here's the scale mm-hmm. of what we're what we're dealing with. But Cobra is trying to act like no Pluton. I don't know what you're talking about, even though his face from the previous chapter was like, <laughs> right, like ah, you you mm-hmm. kind of gave it away. But he's also using this, you know. Plans upon plans upon plans because the palace square, the royal am- where the royal army is gathered, in thirty minutes, a powerful cannon will fire a projectile, a cannonball that will blast a th- uh, crater three miles in diameter. Woo! It just completely, basically, wipe out most of Alabarna. Man, why does he want a super weapon if he's just like I? C- I could blow this place up anytime I want. <laughs> right, but that's you know that's a city. This is an island, and I'm guessing he's talking about yeah. an island the size of Alabasta. Uh, probably. Yeah, something like that. So he, he he's just estimating that the. Rebel forces will make it to the square in 20 minutes. He's, he even makes fun of Vivi's plan. It's like, oh, destroy the palace. That's such an indirect method. Just faster to blow the rebels up. <laughs> I mean, it's got a point. <laughs> yeah, so. And it's like, okay, we have a ticking t- clock at this point. That yeah. is not If there wasn't great. enough tension already, uh, like I feel like this is just like that extra little, like especially now that like everybody's fights are kind of wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Like, like this feels like the, okay, we, we have... One more problem to deal with. Right. It's not over. Mm-hmm. And there's another question that Crocodile has that even shows even more of his just plans and how much he's mm-hmm. learned. He's looking for something for a, called a poneglyph. A pone, where, where is the poneglyph recorded? According to Vivi, it's something to do with a, a record of history. Man, all this lore we're getting here. I, yeah. I, I, before reading it uh, before the podcast, I completely forgot all of this was here. Oh, wow. I remember the talks about this. I forget exactly what it results in or anything like that, but I, I do remember these aspects. I just, I don't know if they've ever been fully paid off from what I've read. I can't remember that. Cobra's like, for, in this case, like, yeah, I'll take you there. And yeah. Chaka is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's ready to throw hands. Yeah. Uh, we don't get to see it. No, he's, he's ready to fight, but uh, we don't we don't actually see it. Instead, we go to our final Baroque Works fight. Zoro versus Mr. One and Bull Needles does nothing against the Iron Guard and basically Zoro comes down to is like okay so your body is as hard as metal if I want to cut you I'm gonna to have to be able to cut steel Zoro's just like huh that sucks I can't cut steel yet but I feel sorry <laughs> for you because I really want to I've been wanting to do that so this will actually be able to take me up a notch <laughs> like, like Zoro's basically like all right I'm gonna get some training in yeah, that's basically what this and is. It's that, like, that, you're that not an opponent, the, you're an obstacle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Which, I mean, I, I feel like Mr. One has definitely had, like, he, he's definitely been, like, the most, or the, I, I was going to say the most boring, but maybe more, like, the least characterized out of all of the, like, Baroque Works members we had to fight. Yeah. So I feel like Z- Zoro just kind of coming out and saying it, like, yeah, you're you're just like you're you're not even an opponent. Like you're just you're just a wall in my way. <laughs> it is like you know what? I mean, he he's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much it for the chapter. So pff, let's not waste any time. Let's get to this big fight between these two. I mean, look, we got it right here. No breaks. <laughs> exactly. Chapter one hundred ninety four, cutting steel, where it just says no breaks with Luffy surfing, and that's that's pretty great. Yeah. I, I really like this uh, this cover art. That's just fun. And uh, yeah, as Mr. One puts it, ever since he got his dice dice power, no swordsman has ever made a scratch on him. It's like, okay, well, you haven't fought Mahawk, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought. <laughs> uh-huh. I really love the, the banter between these two. It just, bo- both of them are just so confident. Yeah. Zoro knows how to just get under his skin at all times because like, uh yeah, I understand, but you should put your stories from the past in a photo album because you know I <laughs> have no idea, no idea how many you fought, but you never met someone like me before. <laughs> and then once we get here into the fight proper, I I I love because Mister One's entire body is a blade. Oda is able to like get really creative with like the paneling and the poses that he uses for Mr. One. So just like that clash at the bottom of the page where like Mr. One just has like his leg up and Zoro's blocking it with his swords. Like this is the kind of thing that could only happen in one piece. Yeah. It's, it's interesting combination of basically Mr. One using martial arts at, yeah. while using those, those razor bits of him. And it, it makes it, pretty dynamic compared to your typical swordsman and to see like yeah his fingers his leg 
just everything just be all blades as yeah and the way there's this one panel where like Zoro has to he has to bend over backwards to dodge Mr. One's leg like coming straight at him and it just like uh it really does. It feels like a swordsman versus a martial artist. He gets some good hits. And the thing is, what I what I immediately noticed here is that he dodged all those, all those attacks, unleashed the onigiri and the uh, tiger trap to do some massive hits on, yeah. on oh, Mr. One. It looks so good. It looks fantastic. And that, to me, immediately showed that, oh, Zoro is da- absolutely stronger than Mr. One. He just needs to get through his body. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why he is a wall. <laughs> Again, I love Mr. One throwing, like, he might not have a lot of characterization, but I love how he's throwing back the shade. He's like, of course, you've never met someone like me before. <laughs> it's like, all right. These two's yeah, banter are uh, pretty, is pretty fun. To see them relatively evenly matched and that they can just kind of talk smack at each other is, is it's really fun to read. Again, that posing, the, those wide kicks, that that straight up attack that Zora has to get over in the in the left panel here. It, it reminds me of the Sanji fight where it's just Oda stepping up his game with these more action-based fights with their, how dynamic they look and how easy they are to read. And then you get into these really impressive attacks like the daisy blades that just shoot out the you, you cut that building in half like it's a massive fight yeah it's just see, seeing the scale ramp up like this is so so good and then mm-hmm. just like yeah, Zoro gets like blasted into the rubble of the of the house yeah and he's he's finally a little beat up he's we see him bleeding finally got a, yeah. got a good hit on him uh and this is an opportunity to have a little bit of a flashback it's finally yeah <laughs> Zoro getting his fleshed out a little bit more where young Zoro is asking his the sensei the really callous sensei like hey there's people that can cut through steel is that true yeah so watch this paper carefully and he just does like a whap against it. it's like it's still in one piece <laughs> yep and the lesson is there are swordsmen in this world who are able to not cut anything these same swordsmen also have the ability to cut through steel and with the same instrument the pinnacle of swordsmanship is the power to protect what one wishes to protect and cut one wishes to cut a blade that injures all that it touches isn't really a sword. Thematically, this is so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it as we go further. But that's that's a good line when you look at this fight itself. For sure. Well, yeah, I, yeah. The, the payoff for this will, will come in the next chapter. But just the see, seeing it here, definitely, ah, it, it, it had me interested seeing in how this would play out again. And then Zoro showing off the insane strength of him. He, he picks up the <laughs> bisected building. I, I love in particular the building that Zoro is holding is the only part of the panel that is in screen tone to bring your attention to it. And you, like the edges of the building are kind of like cutting through the background like like it's a frame. Yeah, it like stands out so much and looks so freaking cool. And then you get that face of his. He looks like a villain. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. Just b- bleeding out of his eye. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll be the end of you. <laughs> <laughs> And we got this, this, this one, this last bit. It's like I'll dice everything in sight versus a sword that doesn't cut anything, eh? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good thing there. We do have an SBS where Oda goes over a very common question about how evolved he is in the anime. And it's basically just comes down to character designs and, mm-hmm. and for the movies and original anime stories. Um, and he breaks down the animation process, and it's basically what you'd expect for most yeah. anime. Yeah. It, it's cool that he seems to he seems to really respect the process and really respects the the team making the anime and I, I I do feel like that is something that does get lost in discussions and even you know us we, we complain about the you know the, the anime and its glacial pacing all the time but like just the the amount of work that goes into it and Oda sort of seeing his world come alive um, in animation I think is really valuable yeah that that's a big thing and mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not caught up with the anime at all, but I have heard that the animation for the anime has gotten unbelievable lately, which is really funny yeah. when you look at where it began. Like I, uh, when I was finding clips for the previous episode, you know, for the the outro there uh, for the mm-hmm. podcast, I saw the fight between Mr. Two and Sanji. And it's a scene where they're like on their hands and like kicking each other's legs and whatnot. They were saying that looks so cool. And I'm watching it there Mm. and it's like, it's relatively smooth animation, but it's also repeated a lot and seems to lack impact. And it's just sort of like, 
not as cool as like what you imagined. Still effective, not quite, but yeah. not quite the, yeah, to this, where I. It's not as dynamic. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, you can definitely there. there it kind of comes and goes. There are definitely eras where the the anime is. It, it's I think struggles under just like the limitations of what what the scale of the manga is versus what you can realistically do mm-hmm. um, in a, a weekly anime that that has been weekly and you know it's not seasonal so. They really have to stick to a very strict schedule, um, mm-hmm. which does, like I said, it, it, it's, it has problems and it has flaws, but I, I really, I think there's some perspective here with the way that Oda talks about the anime here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But let's go ahead and get on into our last chapter for the episode, chapter 195, Mr. Bushido. And we have Cammy the Mermaid and Starfish Papagoo. They're the ones in this coming out of the coming out of the boar. We have our first mermaid and a starfish Rastaman. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't believe this is here. Is all is all I'll say about this. <laughs> yeah, it's just like oh, a yeah, mermaid. I, just, I did not know already. That, yeah, like oh, all right, cool. <laughs> We'll keep that in mind. They, they they talked about mermaids later on and like, bam, here they are. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that's, that's really all there is to say. They just burst out. So yeah. So they, they were in the boar. Yep. <laughs> Eaten by two things. But yeah, Zoro tosses the building at Mr. One and he's just repeating that mantra is trying to figure out what it is. And we get yeah. atomic dicer is just that is cool. Just yeah, the sca- not only the scale of it, but seeing like Zoro kind of burst through the debris. Mm-hmm. It really feels like Oda is stepping up his uh, fight choreography here and just like the just insane set pieces that are going on. I-, I had a thought about particularly with the Sanji and Nami fights. It sort of felt like, OK, yeah, they're, they're just fighting in the middle of the street and that's fine. But I really love here with Usopp and Choppers and here with the Zoros, like he's getting really creative with the particular setting. And I think that is something we'll see in a lot of One Piece fights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these are definitely really, really strong examples of them. Agreed. Yeah. And we would just get this again, a further back and forth and Zoro pressing the attack and definitely getting him. We even got a new uh, sword attack, the crab grab across the neck. I want to point out on the previous page that shot of... Zoro with the two swords, like sliding his swords down Mr. One's like outstretched leg. It is, it's Ooh, just, that is it's cool. awesome. It's I didn't even awesome. realize that. That is good. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's so many ideas going on in here that it's just like, it, it is an incredibly straightforward fight, but it is, it's just, it's gorgeous to behold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the, the crab grab here too. Like you just, the way that you, you feel the force of every impact. Yeah. And then we get sort of the most terrifying part of Mr. One, where he's just sort of like been making blades for most of them. He didn't yeah. seem to have the creativity that Doublefinger had until mm. we get to his buzzsaws. Yeah. He's like, I'm not a swordsman. I have a lot of other weapons I can dismantle you with. And he just brings out buzzsaws mm. that he's somehow able to spin. Yeah, I don't know where the spinning part comes from. <laughs> I, I don't know either, but I love how Zora just says, oh, you're not a swordsman. You're an excavator. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's an assassin. Yeah. And then I love like seeing uh, the sparks fly from the clash and the the, the black ink kind of contrasting to show the shadows. Yeah, yeah, you, you see the shadows and just like them kind of being overtaken in a bright light, and you're just like, it really shows you know how many sparks are flying and how much how much light is coming off of the clash between the swords and the his buzz saws. Mm-hmm. It does throw Zoro enough off balance that he loses his step step and. Oh, we get this excavation work is impossible. I'd make too much of a mess. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> I gotta say that's a good yeah. line, especially as it, like just that shook across his chest. Like, oh, or like, like he just got like that's a punch, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's a punch, and you just see his chest kind of ripped to ribbons. Like, oh, Zoro, yeah. your poor chest. This is the, we're at the part of the fight where Zoro gets messed up real bad. Which is yeah, every every Zoro fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it looks devastating, and we've. We've seen Zora like go into fights with already having hits. This is one one of the first fights where he's taken damage, uh, yeah. going through all this, and it's just oh god. But yeah, sends him into that pillar, basically all done, and it, it looks to be done. It's like oh, you're still alive, and I love that line. Don't turn your back on him because he knows he's going in for another attack. He's like no, no scars mm-hmm. on the back. <laughs> 
Oh, I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah. Oh man. That's the, oh, that's so good. That's why he's. That's why he made sure to turn around. Like he took that hit oh. from the tower crusher, but he made sure oh, that- it was to his front. <laughs> That's so cool. And then the pillar collapses on top of him. I love that line. Just Zoro on his dying breath. I've had having bad luck with stone today. <laughs> yes. And then you get this wonderful moment where it just seems to be over. Mr. One walking right away, cracking his knuckles or cracking his yep. neck. And all he, all Zoro does is think, I wonder if the others are okay. And Mr. One turns back and there's Zoro looming over standing up bleeding like crazy it's just so oh so cool man it's like how can you stand possibly stand i cut you to ribbons and how did you dodge all that falling rubble it's like dodge no that's that's it not it i knew where the stones wouldn't fall and he's like oh my sword it's under that rock i i I love this introspection from zoro here i feel like this is the most we've ever like heard him think yeah i i absolutely is it's like there's this huh it's like, I've had this feeling. Everything around me was eerily silent. And I could just sense them all. It's like breathing. The rocks, the trees, the earth. And that's when he finally understands to not cut anything is, is like, is that like... like the hear the breathing. Hearing the breathing. The power to cut steel. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's cool. And just the, the, yeah. like, as he's... Mr. One's taunting. It's just like, all right, I'm going to put you down for good next time. And we get this wonderful shot of Zoro slicing against palm trees nothing cut and then just a little shook against stone cuts it clean through yeah i i really love again seeing his um sensei in the flashback just like you know he just smacks the paper with a sword and then seeing zoro do it here like with something that you could cut very easily it just yes ha- having that there ha- having it his actions connect back to that is you know it's just one chapter but like it it's a really cool parallel it is. It absolutely is. It's like, okay, I have this. I can do this. Let's see if I can cut through steel. And he's, he's like, I don't need to defend myself anymore. One sword, one strike, a lion strike against the atomic dicer. And it just cuts to him already slicing through Mr. One. Yeah. Blood splatter. And he just says, my thanks. Now I'm stronger. I'm like, ah, that's so, so freaking cool. cool. That's all... Zoro is every time. <laughs> He's just—he always has the coolest fights. It's just—it's the rule. It seems I, I definitely—I I mentioned before we started recording that uh, I went back to the anime version of this fight just because the the, the finisher basically lives rent free in my head for just how I, I think it is one of those situations where the the anime actually does use pacing and its advantages as like you know it. Uh, like a visual medium over like compared to manga mm-hmm. where the the finisher is a little more cinematic where like they do that their final attacks and then the anime just like it like you know cuts to like the sky and the birds flying away and there's just like silence for a bit and then like that spread is the slow zoom out to Zoro in the pose and then once Zoro sheaths that's when the blood spurts out from mr uh, and that's I'm just like, good ah. and then just the music swelling up uh after that it just a plus yeah. every time yeah it's just like okay yeah it's just as sick as i remember mm-hmm. and as we mentioned with the last chapter you know the teacher saying that you know being able to cut anything is just is not a sword and what it, you know what did mr one say he's, he's like i'm not a sword he just cuts yeah. everything so that's the, that's the difference and i like that just that little subtle thing that I didn't even pick up the pick up on the first time I read it. Yeah, it's I think the start of Zoro really starting to define himself as a swordsman, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because this is maybe it it is what his first major encounter since Mihawk. You know, I mean, he you know he fought in um he he's fought at various points up to now, but this was like the most he had ever been pushed since Mihawk, and yeah. it really you're starting to see Zoro develop as a swordsman in a way that I think is just really satisfying. And, you know, he's him reaching the next level like this is, ah, it's so good. It's also the conclusion to the arc he's had pretty much since the beginning of the Baroque work saga, where he realizes like, if only I, if only I could cut steel, I could get us out of this. If only I could do that cut steel. He says it so many times throughout the arc and it finally builds to this moment where yes, he achieves it. Yep. Yep. It feels good. It, it, it's definitely, uh, 
my, it's still my favorite fight of this section, even if it is uh, the most straightforward with the least interesting uh, antagonist. Yes. Seeing the character development um, for Zoro and uh, <clears throat> the foreshadowing, too. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Super well done. And, you know, even though Nami didn't quite live up to my expectations or my hopes, Zoro always there with the clincher and <laughs> he saved this episode thank you Zoro. yes and as we know we it does get better for nami so mm. yeah i think with that i believe we've said all we've wanted to say about chapters 191 to 195 of one piece thank you so much for listening and you can find more of my ramblings and stream vods over at bitnerd games on youtube or bitnerd with an underscore at the end on twitter and brandon where can everyone find you i am uh, on twitter uh, at brandon bovia uh, just just my name talking about anime manga games and my job i feel a a little weird about sharing this now because i have no idea when it's going to come out but i guessed it on oh god i'm going to blank on the name of this podcast i'm so sorry <laughs> i think it is called another day another adventure and it is two of my friends going through the original dragon ball oh okay and so i uh, they had me on as a guest uh, we recorded that on monday uh, I, have, I, I, I genuinely don't know when that will be out, uh, but I'm probably going to forget once it comes out. So I figure I might as well, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be sharing it on my very, you know, on, on Twitter and stuff. So just keep an eye out for that. We were uh, covering. Is that the same? I was going to ask is the same structure as us where it's like five chapters at a time or. Um, I I think they are going four episodes of the anime. Oh, they're going anime. OK. Time. Yeah. Uh, which is a <laughs> that was maybe 60 to 70 percent of that conversation was like. Because uh, <laughs> for for context, so we covered they were they were fairly into the the Red Ribbon arc, and so we're around the point where General Blue gets introduced, and so it's like a lot a lot of jokes that didn't hold up very well. Uh, you know, after four after forty years, the, yeah. you know, big surprise. Um, and so that after I watched the anime versions of that batch, I was like, I mean, this this hit differently. I don't remember it being this bad in the manga. So of course, the in 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 the manga, of course, the jokes aren't great. But like you know, Toriyama you know paces it so fast that it's like you kind of you kind of roll your eyes for a page and move on. But like some some really kind of uncomfortable stuff happens when you have to watch <laughs> it play out over the course of like fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> yeah, like said, it was very entertaining. Years. But yeah, that's. That's Dragon Ball for you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. But yeah, check that out and uh, definitely check out more from Brandon. And if you'd like to help us out more, you can support the podcast over at patreon.com slash Derek Bittner. That's D-E-R-R-I-C-K-B-I-T-N-E-R to listen to the next episode three days early. And make sure to return next time as we discuss chapters 196 to 200 of One Piece. Until then, my friends. Bye. Remember to take 200 chapters one piece at a time. Do I really have the ability to cut steel? Well, there's only one way to find out. You failed with three swords. Can you defend yourself with only one? I won't defend. So you're prepared to die! One sword style. Lion strike! Atomic Spurt! Thanks to you, I finally reached the next level.